You are now entering the Mix You podcast. No credentials required. Hey, everybody. Welcome to episode 17 of the MXU podcast. It's crazy that we've done 17 of these, but I'm here with my good friends, Lee Fields and Andrew Stone. How you doing, fellas? Hola, senor. Hola. Wow. We need to play there's, some there's like, already a theme. mariachi music behind That's, this intro. That'd be cool. <laughs> well, the reason Lee's so excited is because we are all together in the same room. We've spent most of this week together recording some great content for our MXU Now subscribers and viewers. And if you're not into that, you need to be because this was really fun. Yeah, you're missing it. I learned a lot. I've got a whole lot of work to do before I mix another weekend here. <laughs> I know. I got to go buy more plugins now. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know what's really cool, though, is, you know, we started MXU as a way to, for us to have a conversation, learn from each other, and try to spread that knowledge and insight and whatever to people who would want to eavesdrop on that conversation. And I thought that by now we would have plumbed the depths and learned yeah. all we could learn and... For me, I don't know about you guys, but for me, it just gets better and better and better because we ask each other better questions. It's more, it's just a nuanced insight or it's a different way of thinking about something. And I'm just grateful for you guys because I learn from you every time we're together. So thanks for that. And I can't wait for our um, subscribers to the library to get in on some of that as well. And um, you now use drum verb. I've dude. I, I've uh-huh. been using drum verb. Yeah, no, just, you didn't. No, no, Jeff, no, 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 no. I'm using there it. There was no drum you verb there. You had drums as dry as a popcorn fart. I am trying <laughs> to expand <laughs> my use of reverberation on drums. That is true. You mean try to start using <laughs> reverberation <laughs> on drums? <laughs> It's a journey, guys. It's a journey. But I'm I'm really pleased with the results. And I think, you know, we could all say that we learned some stuff this week from each other, just from, you know, how we explore these conversations, which is kind of the whole point. And so I think it's great. Um, confession? Yeah. No, I meant, do you have something to confess to me? No, sorry. Oh, no, I have something <laughs> to confess. <laughs> this is awkward. So, uh, um, so confession. I stopped up the toilet in the third floor. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> like you're the guy that did that on the bus, right? Yeah. No. Um, no, 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 no. No, no, never. I ran a lead vocal. Okay, are you you guys sitting down? You ready? Yeah. yeah. I ran a lead vocal in a mix live for an entire weekend on one song with no verb on it. On purpose? It wasn't an accident. I planned it that way. Wow. Okay. Let silence overwhelm this. No verb. Was it like a James Taylor cover weekend? <laughs> As Monty Python would say, and now for something completely different. That, I mean, <laughs> so for me, that was uh, really cool. So well, why? I've become Jeff. Yeah. Like, no, I can't, you know, he's starting to use verb. I made it all go away. It's crazy. Was this See from this your Electric Light Orchestra inspiration? Uh, a little bit, and I just happened, I was just listening to the song, 
uh, in the room. I didn't, this is actually a weekend I rolled in from another trip and I did not listen. I had not listened to the songs, the way they had treated them. I knew all the, I knew all the songs, but I didn't know the way they were yeah. adjusting them for that rehearsal and all that. And so I'm just kind of in the room hearing the way we're going to do it for the first time. And okay. So, so it just felt right. And so I'm coming off that. But you know what? That in itself can be an effect. Oh, it, that's you know what exactly I mean? like, what it was. It's like the opposite of reverb it was is the also opposite. an effect. And it just captured the, the girl singing uh, was one that had not led before ever with us. And she's kind of quirky and cool and just got a really cool vibe. And she sings in a, in a band here in town. I've never heard the band, but I've seen some pictures and stuff. And it just looks like it's just really you know, edgy and cool. Carrie so, Underwood. So that, yeah, it's Carrie Underwood. It's great. Cool. <laughs> so they just said, do your thing. Don't try to sing this like a Christian song. Just do your thing. Do your thing as if like this was your band. So she started putting just really cool inflection on vocals. And I was like, you know what? This sounds way freaking cooler to just dump all that stuff and let her voice do what she's doing. Cause it gives a level of intimacy yeah. and, tenderness and, and vulnerability well, that you and, might not have with reverb. And it was a song one where she's, but she wasn't singing it super aggressive. It just worked. And it was because it was an up-tempo song. But anyway. That's cool. Well, did you use delay? Uh, I used some real short delay. Yeah, okay. But it wasn't, well, but it wasn't, I, you know how delay can become verb. It yep. wasn't that. It was just like a one repeat, yeah. hey, hey, kind of thing. Um, just to add a little kind of old Pat Benatar vibe mm-hmm. to it. Oh, that's cool. Um but I I kind of got over the weekend and played it back and uh, was like that's really pretty special. That's I mean that that was really cool and it was unique. So I just thought I'd confess that I've been hiding it from you guys. I went to a concert recently where they used lots of verb. It sounded awesome. It was Def Leppard. Well, of course, bro. It sounded great. Absolutely, it did. Those drums. I mean, that guy's amazing. Yeah, he's got. One arm, right? For everyone my age and younger, and younger, and he's old for everyone your age and younger. <laughs> yeah, and he's playing the snare drum with his left foot, right, on a sample, right, or trigger. He's got he's got these pedals, a brand named Shark, and it's all these crazy trigger pedals that are like these indestructible, made out of steel. Yeah, and they are amazing. And he plays uh, barefoot, too. Did you notice that? No. He's playing barefoot so he can really feel when he moves from pedal to pedal. His setup is a complete engineering marvel. That's awesome. It's really cool. I'm really glad you experienced music. So yeah, uh, you'd never really heard Def Leppard before then, right? Actually, I'm a fan. <laughs> I really am a fan of Def Leppard. You, okay. Jeff, this works. Yep. Because we found out something about Lee this week that you and I didn't know. That kind of goes right in line with the whole Def Leppard, him being a fan of Def Leppard. Dude, we need to what? bring in the background music under this announcement. Right now. We found out something about you. First car. About your first car. Oh, yeah. It's a total Def Leppard car. Is it? Did you have a mullet when you had that well, car? Well, I got that car in 2000. If you had gotten it in the year of its manufacture, you would have had a big old mullet. <laughs> that was Pyromania, right? 1983, 84? Uh, around that see. same time, yeah. Yeah, right around then. Yeah, so... Tell everybody what it is. It was, it probably still is somewhere, a 1983 black and gold Camaro Z28. Oh, my gosh. 
So we're driving in my truck, and he pulls this thing out, and he has a picture of it. Yeah. And he shows it to us. And it's almost one of those where I needed to pull over and just kind of pause and examine it because yeah. this thing is the real deal. It is. It was clean too. It wasn't like it wasn't thrashed. I I thrashed it over the course <laughs> of being sixteen. But yeah. Pyromania, January nineteen eighty three. Was it? That would have been Good the call. album wow. that played through that tape deck. That's amazing. So Pyromania is great. All those Mutt Lang vocals, I mean Mutt Lang's amazing. Uh, unbelievable. Well, hey, one of the reasons why I love being here this week is obviously because we're in person, but um, we are in Stone's office, and there are some artifacts that we need some stories. Yep. So we want you to, we'll just do kind of a speed round, so we don't want to get bogged down in all this, but we'll go around the room, talk about some of what we're seeing right now, and you can tell us a quick 30-second story behind each piece. So I'm being interviewed? Yeah. Pretty much. You are. You're our special guest this you, week. Can I go first? Yeah. Wow. Okay. Behind you on the wall right now, hanging about six feet off the ground, it's either a cricket racket or a fraternity paddle or both. It is big. And it's got red tape around the handle, and then it's got stickers all over it that look like a totem pole. It's got to be a cricket bat. Paddle, cricket bat, cricket paddle. I don't, someone in, in Australia and New Zealand's upset with me right now. Right. So it is a cricket bat, and it's one of. Uh, you didn't know this about me. I have a ton of these. What? Yeah. I'm. I mean, you know, I'm because I'm so athletic. I. I. You know, some joke. Okay. Uh, <laughs> cricket. Have you ever watched a cricket match? No, because I don't want to give up a week of my life. Right. But at least they have high tea in the middle of it. That's kind of cool. Right. And they're all wearing like white trousers and all yeah. that. I have watched some cricket. Okay. I, well, I sometimes get when it. you're in like Scotland or somewhere like that and you could get like two channels on TV in the hotel, that's yeah. all you can watch for like One seven days while they have cricket, a match. Yeah. Okay. Cricket bat. It's made of willow, soft wood, kind of like it. Very cool. But. Because I have these, it has nothing to do with the sport. Okay. There is a movie called Dazed and Confused. Not called Dazed and Confused. Oh. <laughs> no, that's what you are right now. Yeah. That's right. No, that's your car. That was the car from Dazed and Confused. And sure. the soul pole. That's the, they're from right. Dazed and Confused. <laughs> so, yeah, right. That's it. No, this is uh, what Ian carried around in the movie Spinal Tap. Ian, the tour manager, uh, he yes. carried around the he carried around the cricket bat all the freaking time. Oh Do you remember God. when they checked into the hotel and he goes up there and he's talking and he hold on, I time out. I have a confession. You've not. Oh, please don't tell oh, me. No, hold it. Just I don't know if I'm ready for this. I've never seen it. Oh, you need to bend over and. I take hope we that. can hear what's happening right now. This is my cricket bat. That's the being cricket hit bat warming the floor. up. He's warming up his cricket are, bat to come around your backside. Are you freaking serious? I've never seen it. Oh, you're fired. Okay, guys, if you could only see the look of disgust on Jeff not, and I's faces hey, yeah, right I've now. I've tried to keep this secret because <laughs> Lincoln all the time references Spinal Tap, and I'm that guy. We're really good friends. He's one of my best friends. Yeah. And he, 
he talks about it all the time, and I've pretended this whole time that I've seen. Gone along with it, <laughs> yeah. You big liar. Okay, Lee, we're not mad at you. We're just disappointed. Uh, I'm not sure I know when I can trust you again. I even know like all the scenes from the movie, and they get lost backstage. All right, you have to see it. You yeah. will absolutely love it. I've talked about this movie so much. I'm having to look at you differently now. Honey, yeah. Okay. So, okay. So the tour manager in Spinal Tap carries okay, around so cricket bats. I'm talking to Jeff now because yeah. he's seen it. I have so many copies of this. I have VHS copies that I carried around on the bus forever. Wow. You VHS, you, you know what those are? I do. Okay. Yeah. Ian, the tour manager, who was patterned after the tour manager that managed Led Zeppelin okay. all the time. Like when they kind of envisioned that character, he kind of had the same persona, just big... Big dude. There's these little cutaways in the movie where like he's got the cricket bat and he's like destroying a TV <laughs> in nice. a hotel room. But he like so Jeff, the scene, you remember the scene he walks into the hotel and he's like, you know, what's wrong, you twisted fruit? I did I ordered seven King Leisures <laughs> on the, you know, fourth floor, not four King Leisures on the seventh floor, or whatever it was. And he lays the cricket bat like right up on the desk like right up right in the check-in of the hotel he just lays yeah. it right there in front of the guy like the very foreboding it'd be like a guy walking around with a baseball bat you know something bad's gonna happen so the whole movie he's got this so all the years i was a tour manager i started collecting these and i would literally walk around venues and sheds that is amazing carrying a cricket bat just kind of like like it was the most normal thing in the world. So I've got quite a few of these at home. I've carried them around in luggage before. I've been stopped. Yeah, there. What was it before TSA? It was just airport security. Yeah, it was barely a metal I've been, detector. I've been called back from the gate, boarding planes in other countries when I had bought like bought one of these or been given one of these from somebody to go like explain why I had this thing stuffed in my luggage. All kinds of crazy stuff. Yeah. So they all have stories, but it all stemmed from the coolness in Spinal Tap. But you told me another story this week about you being in elementary school and the playground monitor walking around with a big yardstick, just oh kind of gosh. threatening to hit people. I think that's really where it comes from. That's where it started. That guy, I told you the wrong name too. I said his name was Mr. Dyke. It wasn't. His name was, ready? His name was Mr. Maddox. M-A-D-D-O-X. All right. Maddox. And it was a yardstick, and he would walk around. It was at lunch. You go to lunch, and you're in grade school. And this guy's like swinging this yardstick around and like hitting it on the table every now and then to like make kids jump. <laughs> when you're a kid like that, you don't just jump. You like poop your pants. At Pretty the same intimidating. Time. Yeah. yeah. And he he jammed this yardstick down your back, down your shirt, and make you stand, make you sit up straight for posture. And that was just his thing. And I'm like, that would. That's like that's what kids need these days. But you're a parent. I mean, yeah. there's like some harassment oh, charges get, in there now. Oh yeah, I, if you did that now, I live in California and spank my kids, so you're, I have to do it in private. You do. You do. You, yeah, I'm serious. You'd get sent away. Yeah, it's crazy. If they knew about it. Yeah, I mean, my son's 22, but <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. He's nine. <laughs> that's awesome. That was amazing. Okay, so let's move on. That reminds me though of a really funny joke about. Uh, a willow wand, as it were. Um, <laughs> Tell the joke. Well, it's a long story, but it's basically a British woman's first experience at a baseball game. So she's describing it to people when she gets back home to Britain. Yeah. 
So she basically says, so we were, we walked into this arena and there's a large meadow in the middle of the arena. Man standing on a hill, throwing a ball at another man. Man steps up into the area with a willow wand. The flinger flings the ball. The man strikes the ball into the far side of the meadow and starts running toward the first pillow. Hmm. The man next to me, I, I can't even tell it because it's, it's distasteful. But the man next to me <laughs> says, run, you SOB, run. So I'm, okay, great. Second man walks up. The flinger flings the ball. The man hits the ball into the other side of the meadow. The man on the first pillow runs to the second pillow. The man drops his willow wand, starts running toward the first pillow. The man in front of me says, run, you SOB, run. Okay. Third man comes up. The flinger flings the ball. The man just watches it go by. He flings the ball again. He watches it go by again. And again, and again. And then the man drops his willow wand and starts walking toward the first pillow. So I say, run, you SOB, run. <laughs> the man turns to me and says, no, madam, he's got four balls. Walk proudly, young man, walk <laughs> proudly. <laughs> we can't say that on the podcast. I think we just did. I think we just did. Oh, it's out there now. Oh. This is like true confessional podcast. This is great. This is from the MXU pastor. Thank you very much. Yes. Sorry, Mom. That's right. Okay, Jeff, your turn. Pick something okay, out. Okay. Um, I notice... Let's see. Multiple lava lamps. Hmm. So is it just because lava lamps are generally cool, or does each one have its own story? Do you have more? Like, what? what's the deal? Yeah. Okay, so if you notice this room sort of feels like an opium den it does very dark there's not one light on overhead light because overhead lights suck and there's a lot of opium tons like just we're digging and swimming in it so the only light in here is like from a couple of darkish 70s lamps and some lava lamps so i guess there's a theme there of early 70s stuff yeah, going yeah. on which matches here, the artwork on the wall so which here's is kind of tour posters from 70s bands it, yeah you know what Kind of is. All right. Wow, there is a theme. That's we crazy. Queen, Rush, ELO, yeah. all over the place. Uh, yeah, Fleetwood Rush, Mac. Kataro. Yeah. Right. Got it. Okay. Yeah, right. Okay, so here's the deal. When I was a kid, um, my grandparents were like bigger than life to me. Um, grandpa was a huge dude, traveled all over the world, visited with a number of sitting presidents and just one of these guys who just spent everywhere, like a billion countries and all that. So he's just amazing. My grandma, like I used to say when I was a real little, I'd be like, Grandma, you sure are a good cooker because everything she made was just amazing, you know, just perfect. So she had this lava lamp that was r the real deal. Now you buy lava lamps and they're all remade by yeah. someone in Taiwan. But it was a real lava lamp that's gold gold on the base and gold on the top and it's really big and the oil in it was bright red lava in like kind of a darkish gold oil you're just mad I, I had no idea what's going on except that was like probably evil because <laughs> nothing good would look that you know sensational and i could lay there on my stomach propped up on my elbows watching that lava lamp for hours i mean no kidding you thought I was like, 
you know, had some kind of mental deficiency because I could just stare at it. And it was amazing because you could get lost in it. Ever since then, since I was looking, every time I go to her house, that was just, I'd love just being able to turn it on. And she had a few funky things like that. And they were not funky people. Yeah. They were like farmers, rancher, you know, that kind of thing. That's cool. So, so that has stuck with me. So my whole life, I've always tried to grab the vibe, get, retain that vibe from lava lamps. Yeah. Like, I mean, people have given them to me. I bought my own. I bought big ones, little ones, all kinds of stuff. I even had a custom one made. I have some pictures of it, but I had a custom one made one time that was a glass head. It was a human-sized head made of glass, completely of glass. And they made, so that was existed, and then they filled it with fluid so and, and capped it off and stuff and put lamps underneath it that was uh, red. So the fluid inside looked like, I mean, it, I didn't mean it to look so morbid. It was amazing. It was this huge lava lamp with clear liquid, but like red globules of stuff going in it. That one may or may not have been at front of house here at the church for a while. Um, I remember seeing that. You do, yeah. It's yeah. And one one time a lady came up to the booth and she, I can't remember exactly all she said, but she's basically like asking me all these questions about the lava lamp as if she was really interested and curious. But no, she was totally hacked off because she said it was morbid and it reminded her of the devil and all this kind of stuff. And like, how can I have that in church and all that? And I remember just looking at her and going, well, I think a lot of that's in your own head. And, you know, I can't help that your brain is going there. But she had totally associated like everything bad in her life was happening with this lava lamp. Oh my gosh! And at that point, I was kind of like, "Well, okay, maybe I should put it somewhere else." But all of them are all of them are cool. I've got them around my office at home, and literally, if you sit in the dark with a lava lamp, I think you can see into the future. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. It's pretty cool. You got one? Yeah, I got one. I've been uh, kind of looking around here and there is something i've noticed it's a coincidence that needs some explanation okay so that wallpaper on your desktop computer there on the monitor on the left oh all all three of them you've had that wallpaper for years yeah you've seen it forever yeah forever now i just noticed today that it's the same pattern on the rug in your office. But again, that comes from a movie that you probably haven't seen. Okay, hold on. Well, I just thought <laughs> there's clearly some significance here. Like who takes a picture of the rug and puts it on their computer wallpaper? Yeah, you, you got it backwards. So what's the deal? Okay. So first off. It looks like a maze. of. It's a really, it's kind of a badass um, like design, isn't it? Yeah, it's cool. Octagons that are... Connected and interwoven, and it's orange and red and black. Right. Now, also notice in the office what the base color of this office is. It's uh, like a crimson. Right. Almost kind of similar orangey flavor. Yep. It's very close. And the brown chair rail. Okay. Sort of starting to come together a little bit. Yeah. The carpet, the, the main carpet of the room is not the throw rug underneath is not black it looks kind of black right now but yeah. it's not black is what color brown? do you think it is yeah is it like a chocolate really it's the base color of this these octagons okay okay so there's sort of so 
for some reason, whenever we're doing the remodel of the space, um, the general contractor comes in, who is an employee of the, of the church, and he comes in and goes, hey, we need to get your office sorted out. Because we had, I had helped design kind of how this, all the spaces work. And he said, how are we going to, how do you want to finish it? You know, how do you want what, finishing mm-hmm. stuff? And I said, well, I think there should be a chair rail just for whatever reason. And let me just figure out some paint colors. So I had, I did not have this wallpaper then. Okay. I had never seen it. Okay. But I picked these colors because it just felt good to me. You know, because I knew I was going to create an opium den vibe. Right. So it's good. I noticed later, much later, we've moved in, building's done, all that stuff. I'm watching this movie called The Shining. Okay. (laughs) And realize this, the carpet in the hallways and in this in the big lodge that of the this hotel. whole hotel that this movie takes place in at the overlook, right? Is that pattern. That's the pattern from the carpet in yes. the hotel from the shining. Like you remember the kid riding his big wheel down the thing. And then he sees the two twins that are morbid. I mean, yeah. Hi, Danny, would you like to play? Yes. I haven't seen this movie either. Uh, You'll never be more scared in your life. <laughs> really? Oh yeah. Oh my gosh. It is the creepiest thing. But what's cool what about amazing. The Shining Connection is I know this about you. And so now in this office, it makes total sense because all work and no play makes Jack a dull oh boy. Oh boy. <laughs> this is all one of Jack Nicholson's best works. Yeah. So I found. Here's so, Johnny. I know, I know the movie. You got it. Stephen it, King. Yep. Yeah. So that that's there. Someone found this carpet one time. In fact, I think my assistant out there found this carpet because I said, we, we might probably put a throw rug in there. He finds it. When I see it, like we ordered yeah. it, when we see it, I realized there was like this whole theme going on and I didn't even know it back when I picked the colors to paint the walls. It's part of your soul. You see what I'm talking about? There's more going on here to meet the, than meets the eye. Yeah. So it all just kind of tied in. And I like the whole story of The Shining. Because you can go to where uh, the Stanley Hotel in Estes Park, uh, where you can go. That's where Stephen King went. And according to stories, he says that he uh, had a dream while there. And the dream was what led him to writing the book. Got it. Right? Okay. And which led to the screenplay and all that stuff. And the fact is, this podcast is probably going to be released pretty close to Halloween. So <laughs> it's pretty scary. That's awesome. So it's so anyway, I I I like it and as, you know, as the dude says, the carpet ties the whole room together and that's kind of how it works. Well done, my friend. Okay. The dude abides. How about some uh church sound complaints? Bro, some turned down for MXU. I picked two and these are pretty amazing, okay? So now one of them somebody sent this in and it's not it wasn't necessarily a complaint, um, but he said he sent this in and he said um, about this document. He said, when I took the job as worship and production director, I found this goodie stashed in a drawer. It's the rules and regulations for a volunteer worshiper. Please note confidential is stamped on the side of it. Volunteer worshiper. Yes. 
Now, I'm not going to say the name of it, but it is a Baptist church. And so the sheet is titled Worship Music Policies for Said Church and All Their Functions. So they've written, a, I guess, a Guidebook, rule checklist, sheet. rule sheet, yeah. Sure. And I won't read all of them, but there's like the first one is the pastor will teach Bible principles on music, worship, and church unity to the whole church as well as to music participants in special sessions. Okay. Okay. A little, I mean, you can see the legalist side of that, but I, okay, I get it. Here's in a modern, one. In a modern context, we would say the vision for our worship team is going to come from our senior pastor, and he's going to sit us down and kind yeah. of talk us through there that. There you go. That's great. Uh, one of the other ones, um, the pastor is responsible over the ministry leaders, the worship music, music leaders, and upfront participants in church services and functions. So real basic structural. Here's why we think this is pretty cool. Down at the bottom of the page, there's uh, there's one just kind of snuck in here. And he underlined what he wanted us to see here, which I thought was really cool. So here we go. We will use a variety of conservative styles with live or taped accompaniment while avoiding songs with a rock drum beat. Oh. <laughs> We will allow percussion that does not distract from the lyrics, melody, or harmony by being unduly loud or repetitious. Oh my! That is, you, and you guys are seeing it. It's on my big screen yeah. here. And this is—can you believe that? This isn't from the fifties. <laughs> no. This is like. Wait, there's more. There's another one. So these are the last two. Okay, we ready? This one has three three sub points. We will strive to use styles that do fit with a song's message, the holiness of God, and the gravity of the Christian life. That's kind of heavy. Wow. We must strive to avoid the following in our worship music. A, sliding up and down to notes in a crooning or barroom style. Well, okay, hold on. <laughs> crooning. No crooners, no crooners in worship. Bing Crosby. You can't slide Bing up. Bing Crosby need not apply. I can't. I don't even know what that means. Let me just read it again because it's just, we just need to soak that in. Sliding up and down to notes in a crooning or barroom style. Now, how would a Baptist, a good Baptist, know There's what barroom style is in the first place? In my beer. <laughs> like that? Beer. That's crooning in a barroom style. Yeah. I'm like, crooning in barrooms. Like, hey. Oh. Okay. Now here, here's that's a b, irreverent styles with sacred music. Okay, irreverent styles with sacred music. <laughs> okay, so this is like when somebody takes a hymn and puts it an EDM song to it. I, I don't know how often that's been done, but I guess that would be a good description. But it's like every Hillsong Young and Free song. It's like <laughs> true scripture and. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I like it. Okay, that wasn't an insult. Raise the I just, I just don't see how how style or genre can be inherently irreverent. Well, that's what's curious to me. Are you prepared for point I'm prepared C? Prepared for part C. Yeah, swaying or dancing to the music. Swaying, swaying. You can't sway. So, 
But you, if you can't sway, you definitely can't dance. That's you true. may be because the first the first step in dancing, I think, is a little bit of sway. <laughs> yeah. What about what about those churches in Atlanta? I mean, there's a lot of swaying and dancing. A lot in some of swaying churches. and dancing. There's even swaying and dancing in the Bible. That's true. In worship, praise him in the dance. That's true. Didn't David dance naked? And he would even be even more <laughs> undignified than this. There was swaying in the naked dancing. There was. <laughs> Swancing. Swancing. Okay. So that's so I anyway, that's pretty epic. Now. Wow. Same person submitted this next one. Okay. Okay. Two so, for one. Well, now we have to keep in context. We know a little bit about their church. Yeah. <laughs> right. So this one, um, Again, these are these cards that are found in in the seat backs, which we said it even last time. Guys, yeah, why are you provoking this? Don't give a place for people to write <laughs> an anonymous comment. Really? I mean, if you give them a card, at least don't give them a pen. Right. <laughs> so this is the same card. So the options on the card are my decision today, and you can you can say I'm renewing my life, my committing to Christ. Um, I'd like more info about Jesus. Blah blah. blah. Um, about my experience today. They want to hear from you about your comments. And then you can pray for me about... Okay, so just yeah. this general card. This is what someone scrawled in here. Um, and I'm just going to say that I'm interpreting this scrawl as angry writing. I'm just going to say that because it feels Yeah, it looks way. a little little pointed, a little... Right. Like they're pressing really hard with their free pen. Right. Yeah, and there's words that look like cut-out fonts from magazines and glued together different... <laughs> Like a ransom letter. <laughs> like a ransom letter. <laughs> yes. So here's here we go. It's very short. Why does praise and worship have to hurt? Is ear pain a biblically biblically necessary part of respecting and praising God? Oh wow. Is ear pain <laughs> biblically necessary? <laughs> part of respecting and praising God. That might okay, be Okay, that's deep. That might be Dude. one of my favorite questions ever. Is ear pain a biblically necessary part of respecting and praising God? And for someone to use the inversion of that sentence that way, is yeah. ear pain a biblically necessary? That denotes a fairly learned person. But I don't know if I've heard a more sarcastic, passive-aggressive statement in my life. Because <laughs> yeah, the other way to write that would be... To praise and respect God, do I need to endure ear pain? Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Wow. These are good. Man, people, keep these coming. These are amazing. It's given us a lot of insight. And here's the thing, too. For you guys that are sending these in, we feel your pain. We got you. We, we feel, feel your, your ear, pain. ear pain. We feel your ear pain. <laughs> Keep rocking it. Keep sending those in to us. This is fantastic. Gosh, that's awesome. So one of the cool things about us being together this week and recording this content is I think we're all sort of able to unpack and reveal to each other as we have these conversations some of the things that we're trying to dig deeper into to make our mixes better, um, little nuances that we're trying to find where we can, um, you know, just hone in based on what we see each other doing. It's like, okay, how can I implement that into my workflow? So what's the, in terms of takeaways, so we can provide some just practical tips or 
things that we're working on that maybe some of our listeners would want to work on as well. Like, what do you guys, what do you guys think in these days as you're standing behind a desk, especially in light of how we've been talking to each other this week? Um, man, for real. So we did, we've done hammered out a crap load of conf- of content here in the last few days. And I've had multiple times where I've just been like, what the heck? Why haven't I thought of that? I'm far beyond that um, feeling of feeling stupid. Like, why didn't I think of that before? Yeah. I, I've just, that just goes with the territory anymore when yeah. I'm around, when we're all three together. <laughs> but, but literally, it's one of those where we got done filming content, another whole round of stuff. And I'm sitting there going, I think I got more out of that than anybody else, like any of the people buying it. Because there's almost something in every single thing we did where I picked up a nugget to go, okay, cool. One of those many. So this, I mean, there's a ton. So I already, I think I have great guitar sounds. It, it Most of the content that I work with most of the time are these huge, big, swimmy, wide guitars that you got to find a place to put them. And it was cool hearing how you guys treated some of the some of the source material that I had provided, you know, with guys here. Yeah. That was really great hearing your take on some of it, which is I'm going to apply some of that. But the way the guitar um, stuff worked, what, the way you guys do it is very similar to what I'm doing, except Lee was doing um, – I, I I do two guitar channels. There's a regular regular guitar channel. However you get there, <clears throat> it's great. Then there's one that I there's a solo channel, and the way you manipulate that, you can change the panning and the presence of where that guitar sits in the mix and all that stuff. Based on faders. Based on fader. It's real. So it's real easy. Real easy to mix yeah. that way. Lee does exactly the same thing. I think we're thinking the same thought, except he takes that solo one and smashes the crap out of it. I mean, like, infinity to one uh, compression. So it's just like... Uses it like parallel compression. It's like an uber limiter, you know, and then scoops out all the mid-range out of it. That was the thing. So I've done the hard compression. I'd be like, yeah, I really like that. But the trick was that he scooped all the mid-range out. So it's not adding adding that sort of... No. Upper mid nasal kind of thing to make it seem too loud. Right. So if you're doing a parallel vocal channel, which we all kind of mess with, that's normal there. And I don't know why I never thought, why wouldn't I do the same thing on guitar? So when I was listening to you pull up my, or a guitar sound that was recorded in my room, and I know exactly what it sounds like, and it's going through a great desk and into the same PA I use all the time, I was going... That just added this amazing bit of sparkle that I wasn't used to hearing. That is a massive takeaway. And and I think you guys would admit that too from hearing our content. It's yeah. it's big. Very, so that can be very difficult to how do you keep it from just sounding a big mess? Yeah. So for me, that's I mean, that is definitely something I will change like in the next twenty four hours before we, we hit another mix. Well, and mine had to do with parallel compression too. I've, I've used, <clears throat> like on drums, for example, we've talked a lot about how I'll use my parallel compression group almost like an effect. Yeah. It's on a dedicated yeah. fader, and so I ride it in and out mm. of the song based on, you know, if a song needs more. It, the way I use it, it kind of adds a pointedness and kind of wakes up the transients and keeps the drums in front 
right. uh, of uh, w- once the band kind of comes around the drum mix. One thing, though, that we were messing with, which I love, is using the smash group as the primary. So having that fader at unity and then bringing up the dry under it. Right. So it's like the inverse hmm. approach. Yeah. But how it it just came around it in a different way. Right. Really cool. So you I'm think, gonna You think you can make that work? I don't know. I mean I we were messing with it, you know, as we were messing with these videos and it really it was impressive. So I, I don't think I would it would be a wholesale switch, but I think to just sort of continue to dig into that to go, okay, yeah. what is it about these two drum groups yeah. that I can continue to tweak to make better. Yeah, that's cool. Mine, I've got two. So I have the, another one too, but we'll talk about that in a minute. I may have another one too. The parallel <laughs> compression thing, for a long time, I kind of was like, eh, like, right. you don't have to have it. Yeah, that was also, I'd say, I don't know, eight years ago, before the current generation of consoles was out, that they all now have delay compensation and mm-hmm. the I.O. is just through the roof. You've got buses for days. But back when, you know, mixing on a venue all the time, the first one, you didn't have that much. You were like eight stereo groups. That was really it. So you were kind of limited to what you could and couldn't do. So back in, you know, 2008, 2010, the previous generation of consoles, a lot of those consoles had, no, all of them had way less I.O., right. way less auxes. They didn't even yeah. do delay compensation like everything does now. So to pull off any type of parallel compression, you're making big sacrifices somewhere else. You were eating up a lot of yeah. channel count or real estate or outputs or whatever right. to make it happen. Yeah. But now, with the consoles now, it's a lot easier, a lot easier to pull that off. So I'm even thinking like, what happens if you put parallel on the tracks? Bass guitar. Right. Acoustic. Definitely vocals, right? Definitely drums. And now we're definitely doing it on lead guitar. Mm-hmm. It's like, I, how far do you go without it getting obnoxious? I don't know. I'll probably go too far and then have to dial it back. So that's one, just trying to use parallel compression more. Well, the cool thing is some of the newer consoles, I know the DLive stuff and even some of the plugins now have a wet dry on their yeah. compression so you've got right. the ability for almost like inline parallel compression right. without taking up another bus. Totally. So it's cool. Because it would be annoying to have like all your inputs on the console and it's like <laughs> and bass, parallel inputs. bass dirty, <laughs> bass parallel, keys, keys parallel. <laughs> right. But so doing it that way, if you have a blend knob on the compressor, that's, that's even better. The other one is this low mid war that I've been fighting in vocals. And I think everybody probably fights this. Mm-hmm. It's when a singer is singing in a verse, like first and second verse, typically first half of first and second verses, more right, more modernly. They skip the octave. Yep. And what they naturally do physically is they get closer to the mic is when they're singing lower because they want to hear themselves more. So it's they're down here and they're singing in this range and then they go to the pre-chorus and it goes up a little bit and they back off the mic a hair, but then it goes to the chorus and I'm up an octave and I'm way up here, right? Well, Good demo. Thank you. As front of house guy, the opposite needs occur there. So when they're quiet and down low like this, I'm at 280 hertz, and to get that to sound right, I'm down, let's say, 13 dB. Right. And I just kind of leave it there. But then in the, or the opposite, you know, you you get the chorus 
the big notes sounding right, but then when they go the verse, it gets kind of muddy, and then I have to turn the volume up more. Okay, so I'm in Orlando a month ago or so, and Bethel was playing, so I went and hung out at front of house with old Chris Greeley, who I've stolen his vocal chain because mm-hmm. he that guy knows what the heck he's doing, and he's a studio guy, and he did all their studio albums, and they sound fantastic, but he mixes front of house like he's in the studio. He just gets one pass at it right okay so i'm standing there beside him and he's on a digico sd9 and brian's singing the verse and i see him go to the eq and he goes to that 250 range whatever that is and on the verse he turns it down 3 db and i'm like oh yeah it was a little muddy and then it goes to the chorus and he turns it up 3 db and then it goes to the second verse and he turns it down 3 db then it goes to the chorus and he turns it up 3 db then it goes to the bridge and he turns it down 3 dB. And then I'm like, I just kind of look at him. I'm like, you're busy. And he leans over and he goes, well, I mean, I automate this in the studio. I do that. Mm-hmm. So I just do it manually here. The next song, the next singer, he does the same thing. Next song, somebody else is singing. He's doing the exact same thing. But the vocal was perfect. I could understand every single word, no matter what range they were singing at, because he's right. It's like, if you were in the studio, you would automate the crap out of that. Right. Or some people even have two different tracks for it. Right. So I tried it and it created more work. Mm -hmm. You have to really pay attention, but it's the vocals are in the center of the console. It's just, I'm looking at that fader and whoever's singing, typically I'm looking at their channel Mm -hmm. strip anyway. Then it's just reach up and grab a knob and click, 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 click. It's made a pretty big difference. So, in a way that's different than multiband compression would do. Yeah, because you almost need an expander to do that correctly right. so that when they're singing quiet, it goes out. But when they sing louder, you add it. Right. So, on the chorus of a song, if you're expanding 250 hertz by 3 dB with something like an F6, that would be the same effect. Yeah. But it just feels weird to put an expander on the low mids. Right. On a vocal. Right. Because you normally cut the low mids so you can understand you everything. It. Right. You cut it. But when they back off the mic and they're singing up real high, yeah. I want more of it. It's the same thing we get all the time when you hear someone sing versus when they talk. And yep. sometimes you're like, you know what, uh, singer, can you just keep singing? Yep. Because I've got your vocal sounding really good here. And then they talk and it's terrible. Right. Okay. So I have my other big one here. And Jeff, you said you had one more, yep. right? Okay. My other big one here was uh, in relates to drums. Um, golly, what I spent 20 years of my life or more playing drums annoyed my parents and family and my sister and all that all through life by drumming and freaking them all out and driving them bananas. But I love drums all the way it sounds. I really paid a lot of attention to it. I went to an, uh, Jeff Lynn's electric light, Jeff Lynn's ELO poster right there jeff lynn's electric light orchestra um one of the most amazing composers producers songwriters i I think and that's affected my life just with his craft like he's right up there with me with the pink floyd david gilmore thing okay and the martin offler dire straits like he's in the same echelon so I go hear them live. I love all that ELO stuff from the 70s. It just sounds so fantastic. No verb on stuff, stark, you know, weird drums, interesting miking, all of it analog. Thank Jesus. It's just great. 
I'm sitting there watching this show and it's amazing. The mix is dialed in perfectly from the very first note of the show. There's two front of house guys working the same console because there's so much crap going on. Wow. Live strings, all that. So the studio guy that does all his records for Jeff Lynn is there. And it looked to me like he was mixing all the string parts and all this crazy That's orchestrated part. manage. Yeah. And then the front of house guy, you could tell, was managing the console. But there were two guys the whole night. Really? And I thought that was really cool. But the way the drums sounded blew my mind. It wasn't what you think. You'd go, oh, yeah, huge arena, amazing, whatever. No, it was understated. Yeah. Understated drums, and they all sounded exactly like these old 70s records. Black dot heads, big cannon-sounding you know, yeah. kick drums, no attack, ver- verb with no pro- – uh, snare drum with no processing. Yeah. I mean, none. It just sounds like rat-a-tat-tat yeah. type – you stuck a 57 on it and turned it up and it was unbelievable where it sat in the mix was unbelievable the way the tom stuck out was unbelievable because it was all understated right so we're going the other way yep all the other music was great and there wasn't this pounding kick and snare but yet you heard every single bit of it because of the articulation of the way it sounded that rocked me and I'm watching him the whole night. And the drummer, I forget his name, amazing British guy that's just killing it. Playing things like the record, it's awesome. But I was really impressed, and I left there going, I'm going to figure out a way to reintroduce that kind of uh, sensibility to how I do drums. And so I have. And that was really cool. So we talked about that all through our videos and stuff. But, yeah. but that is that quest you know you said you're kind of in the middle of fighting figuring out this loaded thing yeah i'm still working on how this is going to work but everything i've tried so far has been completely rocking like like just takes a little bit to get there yep because how do you mic a tom with a black dot head on it and no bottom head (laughs) right like all of a sudden you made your drum your cool drum into a cardboard box Mm -hmm. and so it's like going the opposite way than what we'd all normally want to do. Put a nice head on it, you know, get it sewn up right. This is like the worst head, I mean the worst way, but trying to do it. But the result is really pretty cool. So, so I don't know. Those are two really big nuggets for me, you know, that I'm continuing to work on. That's, That's cool. Awesome. One other thing for me is I, I found myself in an interesting way, whether it was – me at the console or the two of you, I felt like we were we were doing more in the way we were trying to explore the top end EQ of things. Yeah. Whether it was an acoustic or a hi-hat or a snare drum, there was a, a different kind of attention than what we normally pay to high frequency information. Yeah. And it was cool. I I'm challenged. Like you know, one of the things we did was really mess with the vitamin plug-in on tracks yeah. to try to find some of that extra sparkle. And then what can we do to a hi-hat? I'm telling you guys, none of you need to see the visual representation of any of our hi-hat EQ. Right. <laughs> because you would look at that and go, these guys are smoking something and we don't need to listen to them anymore. But it was just interesting that we just kind of weren't afraid to 
ignore how it looks and just listen. What we tell people to do all the time, we were actually doing it and it was, it was awesome. So I was really challenged. I think it's, I love just continuing to explore these things and dig deeper and deeper. I love that. And I felt that way too. That's pretty cool. Okay, cool. So we have a new MXU live event to announce and one to talk about coming up next month. Yeah. Uh, the new one that we, uh, have just put on sale, man, we are going back to Southern California. It's crazy. This is year four. Fourth time. Fourth really? time. Fourth time. Can you believe that? It's awesome. So that's, this is the, the part of the world where the first one started. Um, right. we went and the Saddleback, uh, took a gamble on our situation and everyone we've done there has just been better and better and better. But this one's going to be a little different. January 23rd, which is the day before the NAMM show starts yep. in Anaheim, we're going to be in Anaheim. At the Saddleback Campus in Anaheim. So we're right there. Right. So kind of uh, all their locations have been cool. And Saddleback is like the, the most gracious place ever to, to have us in there. So they've worked it out to let us be in that facility. So that ought to be a little more handy for those of you coming out and making the trek to NAM and all that. And it's a different, it's a more of a traditional um, building instead of a kind of the, the tent structures yep. out there at the main campus. So we, and, uh, uh, well, we have a surprise on that one too. We do have a surprise. We're, we're going to change up the format Yep, and do something really different. We just can't talk about it yet because it's not 100% verified. It's 99.9. You're this, not going to want to miss no. it. You won't. And this isn't a trick to get you to buy a ticket. No, this is, it's not. This is actually what the plan is, and we're really excited about it. So if you've come to one MXU live event and thought, I shouldn't go back because they just repeat themselves, well, you're wrong because we have yet to repeat ourselves. But this is a major reason why you should come back again. I'm actually a little scared but a little excited. I'm terrified. It's like, it's like yeah. the night before the first day of school. It's like you want to go see your friends, but there's a lot of new stuff and you don't want to go do homework. Right. So it's like that feeling of, oh no. We're, uh, we said we started this to get better, but when we announced this, it's like put your money where your mouth is. Yeah. Like if you really want to get better, this is how you do it. We're uh, we're gambling a lot these days. So <laughs> this is just another one. We're rolling the dice. It's going to be fun. It's really going to be cool. So that's, uh, that's January 23rd. You can log on to our site at uh, mxu.rocks and get all the information under the live events tab. There's also here shortly coming up, we've got, uh, we're foraying back to Orlando. You've probably heard us already talk about that. We've got two events back to back there. Jeff, hit those real quick. Yeah, so we're going to do a mixu live uh, at Real Life Church just outside of Orlando on November 12th. And then November 13th, the day before WFX. We're going to be at the Orlando Convention Center, which is an event uh, in cooperation with WFX called the MXU Forum, where we're going to spend half a day answering your questions. But we're it's not going to be just us answering the questions. We're going to be accompanied by a senior pastor, executive pastor, CFO, creative director, the wife of a megachurch tech director. It's going to be awesome. You'll get uh, specific questions answered be able to go back to your church context with problem-solving solutions, which yeah. is going to be great. And that one, again, you can go to our website for all that stuff, same place, and you can link straight to them. You register for that event through WFX, but we put their link right on our page. It's very easy to get to. So you might go in there and uh, do a clean sweep, 
hit a MXU Live, hit an MXU Forum, stay around for the WFX conference and see, you know, go to the show floor and see all the stuff going on. That could be a good few days of time well spent. That's awesome. Boys, I think that does it. Yeah, this uh, wraps up a long week for us. What a great four days, five days. Yeah. Yeah. Freaking A. It's been good. It's awesome. Well, thanks for joining us. We'll see you next time on the MXU podcast. But meantime, spread the word. Help us by liking, sharing, downloading. What else can they do? Uh, Rate. Yeah, they can send their donations to P.O. Box 1176. (laughs) (laughs) Neve Drive. It's perfect. Well, thank you, boys. Thanks, guys. Till next time. All right, see you.